All right. Imagine being able to take unmonetized assets, big ideas, and turn it into something magical. And where are you maybe leaving a million or a hundred million dollars on the table? What kind of creative collaborations can get you there? This is all about creating money that doesn't exist. But as usual, we go into some really interesting side pockets that Dan always takes us down. And Dan, why don't you talk a little bit about what people can expect in this episode? Yeah, I think the big thing is that um, for some reason, and I think it's technological and I think it's uh, world crises and I think it's, um, um, you know, just a new period of uh, what's taking place in in our society, uh, you know, in North America and the the advanced world. But there's the possibility of putting together new kinds of entrepreneurial projects, which have a number of very interesting qualities. One is that uh, money isn't really the central issue of it. Uh, um, uh, You know, money is necessary. It's a means and everything else. But it's the ability of taking your capability and combining it with someone else's capability. You both have, you know, proven track records. uh, you, you're not doing it because you need the money. Uh, you're already independent. And uh, the, the way you're making money now isn't on the table. You're not, you're not really. What you're doing is you're agreeing on creating a new kind of value in the marketplace and you're in agreement with it. You're in agreement. You're both excited about creating value for a particular type of customer or client. And, uh, and uh, the thing about it is that uh, it requires you to combine each of your capabilities in a third thing that, um, that neither of you could create by yourself. So I've just given you know the last two steps and what I see has to be agreed upon before you can even start. Yeah, and I think the big to wrap this up in this intro, uh, you talk about going from first stage purpose to uh, your next level where something that is even bigger beyond transformations and experiences are novelty. And that's what this episode's all about. So I guarantee you, you're going to enjoy this. So stick around and enjoy whether you're listening or watching. All right, Dan, we're talking today about creating money that doesn't exist. And I want you to set this up because we started with a free zone opportunity, which is the ultimate creating money that doesn't exist collaboration possibility. Why don't you just set up what we were talking about and then we're going to dive into how to make this happen with creative collaborations. Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd like to say is that I think if you have the right mindset, Mike, this is getting easier. Uh, because of the uh, great technological capabilities for uh, making more or less instant contacts and um, talking to the right people about the right opportunities uh, very, very quickly. And I'm just referring, of course, to the way the Zoom world has gone over the last year and a half. So my sense uh, is that if you have two people who are right for each other, they're basically three clicks apart. That's I still have to do three clicks to get on a Zoom. And so I said, that's the travel time now for, you know, engaging in a great discussion about a new opportunity. So I just like to put that, that 
I, I think 25 years ago, what I'm talking about would have been a lot harder. That's totally true. I think um, in the past to be able to uh, press the flesh meant, you know, I know people would literally not want to do a meeting unless they were in person. And that's uh, absolutely changed. Um, but let's talk about um, the core purpose of this, which is a, yep, you can collaborate easier, but also every business these days, at least in my experience, is sitting on unmonetized assets that are generally hidden. And I'll start with a couple examples that pop into mind. And I know you'll have a couple uh, stories as well. Um, there is a, an individual that I met at an event um, who has raised over $40 billion in the financial industry. And um, I can mention his name because he's in our marketing. His name's Guy Costin. His company is Dakota. And we were talking one day and, and really the way the conversation even started up, he wanted to do something in his business. And I told him it was a horrible idea. He'd probably burn a half a million dollars um, and probably millions of dollars in opportunity. And uh, that caught his attention. He's, and I said, but I do have an idea that I think you're leaving a tremendous amount of money on the table. And in his case, because he's raised tons of money in this industry, he's got some proprietary know-how. He knows how to sell financial services to allocators or financial instruments. And I said, why don't you turn that into a training program and sell the training program to all the customers you can't have? Some people might call this an eating your own young methodology where you're selling your IP, your know-how. Um, but he said, let's talk about it. And we wound up creating a program and a product and a sales system. And now it's, you know, you can touch 3,500 or more customers instead of the under 10. He currently could because there's a scaling challenge in the industry. And um, that's just one, which is just taking IP. But I think what's magical and what has happened inside the free zone over and over and over again are I am consistently seeing people getting together just with the simple mindset shift and uh, collaborating to create great opportunities. So I've got more case studies to, to share, but um, comment, please. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, the... the this is very true. And uh, I think there's a mood shift, too. I mean, I talked about a technological, technological shift. Um, but um, and, and it's really interesting because I think the two go together. I think that when you uh, suddenly are presented with a new technological capability, um, you're able to think uh, new thoughts that you couldn't have thought before because um, the absence of the technology meant that before it was harder. Um, it took a lot longer. There was a lot of friction. Um, you know, there was a lot of complexity to it. And if it's a good technology, the technology will, um, you know, um, just make things, it's a shortcut, you know, it's, uh, it's a shortcut for the right people with the right mindset. And so, um, um, I think what you're talking there is that both of you, first of all, you they, you were available to each other right away just to have a personal conversation. And, um, and, you know, and that's a great thing. And I know, Mike, that you kind of specialize in putting special groups together, special, you know, events together, special trips together. So, um, so unpredictably good things can happen. And, uh, and. But my, my sense is that I've noticed um, 
in addition to um, uh, great breakthroughs for us as a company that's come because we now have a whole virtual global program, which wasn't really conceivable before the COVID. Um, I'm just noticing a, a real shift in how we're thinking about our future here in the company. But what I'm noticing in the workshops, because I, you know, I interact with 500 really successful entrepreneurs every 90 days, and some of them I interact with, you know, multiple times, you know, as many as five or six times during a quarter. Uh, I'm just noticing a mood shift uh, that people are saying, you know, all sorts of things are possible these these days that I never thought about. So that's that's my response to you know, the, just the situation that you talked about. Okay. So um, I took a couple notes while you were um, talking there. One is this mood shift, um, which I hadn't even contemplated that. I, I really want to go a little bit further down that. And also the fact that <clears throat> when I look at what creates an environment for creating money that doesn't exist, you said something really smart, which is, just being able to have a conversation. I think having an unstructured conversation is super important. You also have to have the right territory or field in place. Meaning like what I look for is um, first of all, a business owner, ideally that has a certain amount of charisma and um, clearly a great communicator. That, that is very, very important. I'm looking for some sort of prime, uh, a moat, you know, some proprietary IP, like you have that all the time in spades. Um, someone who is constantly in front of their clients. And you just said that I'm in front of 500 people all the time. And that's part of the beauty of strategic coach. You're constantly inventing new ideas. You get to test out a thinking idea. You ask questions where you don't know the answer. Um, so that causes an environment of wonder to occur. And then, um, uh, well, I, I, would, I would say the situation that you talked about, another factor was true, is that you both had prestige in each other's eyes. In other words, that, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, you weren't off the street knocking on the door of, uh, you know, a major player, that there was prestige perceived on both sides, you know. And, you know, uh, Mike, we've gone through your you know, your pioneering days in the in the digital world, and that goes back, you know, it goes back uh, 35, year, 35 years. So, and you're, uh, you know, you're an innovator, someone who has broken new ground for marketing in the digital world. So there's, uh, in the other person's eyes, there there's prestige there. And I think prestige is very important. And prestige isn't um, the same as status. Prestige is that uh, other people talk about you positively. That's really what a lot of other people talk about you positively. And it's not status, you know, that you were a big winner in the past and you got a lot of money and you belong to the right clubs and your house is in the right suburb and your kids go to the right school. It's not that. It's really, it's performance prestige. It's, um, you know, it's um, originality, prestige. And I think that probably both of you had that in each other's eyes. Damn, that is so profound. Um, I've never even thought about the distinction before, but holy cow. Um, 
But that, can I tell you the difference yeah. between that, uh, status in, uh, in most societies that um, uh, status uh, often is created and, uh, and reinforced with dominance. There's a dominance. The person has do- dominance. And prestige is earned over quite a long period of time through performance. And the difference is how people respond to uh, respond to someone with dominance. They're afraid of them. Yeah. With prestige, they want to be near them to listen. So it's an opposite. It's an opposite reaction on the part of people. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's Godfather. You know, the uh, you know status is Godfather land. You know, you. Yeah, you, yeah you might wake up with a horse in your bed, a horse head in your bed, right? Yeah, or, but uh, it, yeah. there's a perceived threat if you, uh, you know, if you in any way uh, anger the person, there's a perceived threat, and, you know, and there's, um, you know, it could be government dominance. It could be, uh, you know, you're just in a position that you can make life, somebody life, life's uh, miserable and uh, you let it be known that that would happen, you know. Um, what I find with prestige people, they're just interested in their uh, their next next exciting thing, and they've got a track record of having done very successful things. And you want to be around people like that because you know they stimulate stimulate your own imagination. Yeah, there's uh, an implied long game also that's uh, inherent to that. So that. Okay, that that's really profound psychology, Dan. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about some of the mechanics. I'll tell you a few things that I look for. Um, and you said something earlier today about something that doesn't work for you because I think it's just as important. Which is um, when you have people come up and they're like, "Hey, Dan, I've got this great idea." You're going to pay me to create a new product that you're going to market to your clients so I can get customers and and it's and and you get you know there's always um jackals and hyenas running around um and lamprey eels on the sharks right Um, well the other thing is that uh uh, i'm gonna talk about a couple of the collaboration examples to go along with your couple and uh for someone who's not a collaborator they're not understanding what i'm doing they're perceiving, hey, Dan's this great guy. He'll help you build a business and then he'll advertise your business and then you can get his clients and uh, you can make a lot of money off Dan's clients. And I said, well, you know, uh, it might look like it, it looks that way from the outside, but not because of what I'm doing, but because of who you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> So true. Well, the other thing that you said uh, earlier that was very, very powerful is there's two things to screw things up, which is upfront money and lawyers that stop everything. Yeah. If you have to, if the first meeting is about how much money you're going to make up front and you need lawyers there and you need a lawyer, both sides need a lawyer. uh, I can guarantee you it's not a collaboration. It's not something brand new and it's not a collaboration. It's not something positively good brand new what i mean by that uh, it may be new it may be a new scheme or a new twist but um you know it's got to be right from the day one you have to have lawyers there to um um 
to protect you from the fact that you don't actually trust the other person. Right. So let's talk about the positive moving future here, which is what works. So here's a few things that I I look for. And um, I was so inspired today that I'm starting to work on like a full survey. I want to create a the perfect collaboration survey, which is how to identify where there's money on the table. And if your immediate reaction is resistance, it's because you don't have the right who to make that happen. That's where a perfect collaboration exists. And uh, what I look for, I think one of them is an unrealized asset that can be delivered in a form different than or a different channel or in a different format. So for example, I can take um, someone's process or system that they currently is a service and say, how can I productize this? How can I turn it into a training program or a certification program? There's a make money opportunity in there. In other words, a way to share it. And then you could also appify it um, and find some way to automate it or um, scale it without requiring humans. You know, that, those are some of the obvious ones that I look for right away. And again, the, the key elements that make it work is I need to have a history of success, meaning I need to know that this person has been selling transformations, not transactions, that I've got a, a minimum of three, but ideally 10 awesome transformational stories because the the product has to be sold with the stories and the transformations. Uh, The next one, there has to be a unique system that hopefully is the result of years of research and knowledge. Um, One small example I can can give you that uh, hooked me a while ago, it's an individual person platform versus a business, but it was this guy I met on a trip named Justin Donald, and I've talked about him in the past. Um, he had been an investor with a great lifestyle. And um, it wasn't obvious at the time, but we ended up branding him the lifestyle investor, packaging his know-how, which he had read hundreds of books, attended dozens, if not hundreds of events, and hybridized lots and lots of investment strategies and boiled them all down into something that helped him his wife leave her, her teaching job, him leave his job, and then accumulate tens of millions in, 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 um, uh, in wealth. Mm-hmm. And so um, we package that into a book, into a system, into a product. And now he's got a mastermind and he's able to do it um, in a compliant fashion, which is also challenging. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, sometimes it's personal know-how and knowledge, which a personal brand can have a lot of value versus a business as well that um, you know you you train your business and all the people in it to think a certain way, deliver a certain way, market a certain way, and the more success you develop, I believe a value gap gets created where your own perception of your self worth isn't as high as the outside world's or that IP that's been accumulated over time. Yeah. So that was a big dump of stuff. Yeah. But- well, I think the uh, the thing is, you know, one. Uh- good thinking system um, that one of our free zoners, Dean Jackson created uh, over the, uh, actually over the last two years, uh, it's called VCR and it's vision, um, uh, um, vision capabilities and reach. Okay. So he said that 
what's really helpful before you go about the business of looking for collaborations, um, you, um, you kind of document what your vision is of your future. Okay. And the reason is that um, uh, people are interested in other people's visions. Okay. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, um, it, 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 um, you know, we, the entrepreneurs kind of have to pro- self-propel themselves, you know, um, you know, self-motivate themselves and self, self-propel themselves. And, um, you know, they have a vision. But one of the things that is useful for personal confidence is that you can talk to <clears throat> other people about their visions and you can probably clarify your vision by hearing someone else's vision or see how they're doing it differently than you are. And it gives you, uh, but the other thing is you're, you're putting in their mind uh, someone that if they come across someone uh, who, you know, has, um, has, has things that would really help your vision, it, they can be useful to you and we're useful to each other. I mean, entrepreneurs of goodwill uh, like actually helping other people out um, um, more or less voluntarily, you know, just to, uh, as a gift, you know, I just, you know, I just want to put you two together, you know, because it seems to me that the, uh, the two of you together can do that. So that's the vision and you have a vision of what you could do and capabilities. What are all the capabilities you have? And as you said, Mike, um, you're only maximizing certain capabilities at the best of times in your business and you have other capabilities which are minor players but that doesn't mean they're not great capabilities in another situation it's just in your situation it's not a big deal and uh, you haven't done it but that you should inventory them and then the other thing is reach and that's the great world that we live in right now is that suddenly um you know things that used to be global can be regional uh, things that used to be local can be regional things regional, national, and national, global. And um, it's happened very suddenly, in the, certainly in the last two years. So I think to a certain extent, uh, you got to have a kit. You got to have a, a collaboration kit. And it's what, you know, kind of depersonalize taking your vision and say, I got a vision. Yep, I got, uh, I got, I got a vision. I've got a lot of capabilities and there, there's all sorts of reach that's possible through me. My 500 clients that I talk to is a very attractive network to um, other people with ideas. You know, it's very attractive. And then we have, you know, and that's a, that's a fifth of the total client base because we have, you know, we have other coaches and we have other entrepreneurial clients. But the the thing that I uh, I want to say here, uh, you know, uh, why I like Dean's thing is that you can do it with anything, anybody, you know, anybody, you know, who, um, you know, anybody who's been successful in some line of work or they, you know, they're, you know, they've got good experience of thing has a lot of vision, has a lot of capabilities and a lot of a lot of reach that they would ordinarily not even think about as assets. But if they can just document them and show them to someone else, someone else like yourself may just look at it when you were talking to in the example you were talking to, you just said you've got capabilities, you know, uh, and that uh, are 
they're, they're being underused. You know, you haven't used them and, you know, and you probably did some configuration of a new kind of vision for what he could do. And then you probably showed him the reach that he could have that he didn't realize that he had reach. Yes. And, and when I take what you said earlier, this is why it's so, um, so powerful, this notion of prestige versus status, but also credibility, which is part of the reach. Um, so I'm going to deconstruct this based on the, on the VCR model. Yeah. So the vision is, hey, business owner, I know you're leaving. You're very successful. You're one of the tops in your business. And it's obvious to me when I look at your website and the stories that there's I use what I look for is a lack of story or personalization or authenticity on a website that tells me that they're underselling and that there isn't enough um, storytelling going on. It's it's kind of a nuanced dead giveaway. And I also look for someone like when I meet a founder and owner of people in the organization and there aren't what I call smiley, happy people, bunnies, kitties, um, babies on their website. In other words, I don't feel like there's enough emotion there. I know they're underselling. So that's like a first dead giveaway. And then if they've been in business for a chunk of time, ideally like 10 years. So I know they've got some, something magic. And, um, and the vision then is you've got some magic uh, capabilities um, of your own. and there's a way for you to generate continuity or subscription income so your whole staff and team isn't constantly delivering. That's attractive to anyone. You know, a business could be at 20 million, but um, you know, with the right kind of marketing, right kind of product, they could dramatically increase their revenue. I've seen some instances where a $20 million company can become a $100 million company, which makes them much more attractive. That again goes into the vision package. Yeah. So the capabilities are you and I together can take your know-how, your wisdom, your IP, create a product. And the reach comes down to, and this is the distinction with what you were talking about earlier, um, credibility. If you've got credibility and prestige in the marketplace and you apply it with the right story, um, which in this case, the vision going back to delivery, now we live in a world where you can deliver any content anywhere in the world. You can certify people. We don't care about moving flesh any longer. Um, it's irrelevant. Um, it's the red, you know, the, there's a formula to, to assembling all that. But I think the thing that you can't underestimate is if I have transformational stories, meaning I've got credibility and proof, and I have reach. And you have prestige, that means telling the stories to people who raise their hand and say yes happens considerably faster. And, you know, inside of that, you know, you can take an idea and execute it and get paid to make it, which is the other most important thing. Like what you do every day or every coaching session is, hey, I have a new idea. Let's try it out. Here's a thinking exercise. You've got people who give you feedback and you can refine it. Um, what we used to do. And I still do it, frankly, is I'll say, hey, I have an idea. I'd like to invite you to come to a webinar or some sort of an event. <clears throat> what if you could have this and this? And then at the end of sharing and just openly giving away the content, say, if, if 
I could do this with you. Would you be interested? And you get buyers and you make it for them and, and effectively have paid check writer beta testers. Yeah. And that to me is the very best way to roll out any product and, mm-hmm. and then gather more social proof that your stuff works. Creates yeah. a yeah. momentum. Yeah. I, have a, <clears throat> I mean, having uh, listened to, um, you know, um, um, how you put together, you know, new focusing packages for, for a lot of people. I want to observe something that I think that you, um, um, that you, when you catch people, you catch them at a particular moment. And I think that all entrepreneurs, I mean, you start your, uh, and I only deal with entrepreneurs, so I'm sure it applies to people in other fields, but I've got, you know, I've just got thousands of stories when it comes to entrepreneurs that, um, all entrepreneurs have um, purpose to start their career as an entrepreneur because it takes takes a fair amount of um, personal belief. It takes a uh, you know uh, a certain amount of uh, you know certainly a certain amount of courage. But um, the but but my sense is they have what I would call a first stage purpose, and the first stage pur- purpose is actually. Uh, freedom from a lot of stuff that they don't like, you know, uh, you know, uh, and it may, it might be relative poverty, you know, poverty or scarcity as a child. And they want to get free from the conditions of scarcity uh, or uh, it, you know, maybe that they're, you know, they've got sort of a unique take on something, but in their childhood and teenagers, it's not really developed, but they're just considered odd and, you know, they don't have friends and nobody, nobody can see into their soul and see, you know, the great value that they're going to create in, in their life. But they're, the first thing is a getting away purpose, you know, that they're, they're and they put numbers on it. You know, if I make this kind of income, if I have this kind of you know, bank account and it's got also it's got a lot of uh, what I would say, external measurements, you know, how they look and you know, who they hang out with and, you know, the, you know, the clubs they belong to, what, whatever it is. And, and oftentimes that's the only purpose that the entrepreneur is ever going to have in uh, his or her career. In other words, it, you know, they, they make, uh, it may end up them being millionaires and doing it, but somehow um, uh, they never get beyond that first purpose. And, I'm not against that first purpose. I had enough of it myself, you know, when I started. So, you know, if I'm disrespecting other people, then I have to disrespect myself for how I got things started, you know, to be fair. I mean, you know, right. And, uh, and, but, but I think that what you do is you catch them, um, um, not too long after or very close to when they're getting the end of that usefulness of that, uh, stage one purpose. And stage two purpose is the freedom to be something, okay? And and they they couldn't even think about it unless they had their initial success. If they hadn't achieved their first purpose, they wouldn't be able to talk to even think about their second purpose. And I think I think the thing is that you have a thinking process, and you have enough. You know, you have your own um, you have your own scar tissue as an entrepreneur of having gone through different stages of growth that you're able to get them now to kind of let go of that, um, you know, I, you know, 
you know, the skills that get you out of Egypt aren't the ones that get you into the promise. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so the big thing is that I think you catch them and then you allow them to have a new purpose, okay? And so you have prestige, but you have the ability to give them a new purpose. And, you know, um, if you've uh, become really successful and, you know, you're, you're still, you know, from the outside standpoint, you, you, you still look young enough, you still look energetic, uh, and you don't have any purpose, and you're looking ahead five to ten years, and you're just going to make money the same way as you made money before, and it's never going to give you a purpose. Uh, that, that, that's a really tight, that's a really bad corner to get into. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I think you nailed it here, Dan. Um, again, through a different lens I haven't looked at before, which is timing is everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, you know, folks that are, are moving around. I, here's, here's the transition. That I mean, I, uh, I mean, just, I mean, you may share their names or not, but I know the two people, you know, that, uh, you kind of put together because you created the, uh, the, the right setting for them to actually get together. But quite frankly, I've known both of them and uh, the trajectory that both of them were on, it, it was going to be a lot bigger numbers, but it was going to be more or less the same game. Yeah. And I, they won't mind me sharing this because they we recorded it. <clears throat> I'll give you the setup. Um, and we'll talk more about that in another episode as well. But it was Howard Getson and John Bowen. And we did a you know the we did a trip and my goal was i wanted to put together really smart interesting business owners and entrepreneurs who are abundance minded and clearly had collaboration in mind yeah. uh, another person who came to that event was charlie epstein and i had a bunch of people who are not in in coach who were there and uh the first thing i asked a question when we began I said, how can we make this experience an 11 on a scale one to 10 for you? You know, what would you like to walk away with? And different people had different things they wanted to do. And Charlie said something really interesting. He says, I would be really inspired if we found a way for all of us here. And there were about 10 people on the trip to find a way to collaborate and create something together uh, that would be really unique and exciting for all of us. And I thought, well, that's a big vision, you know, to put people together inside of four days and do something like that. And, and there were some magical things. There were some deep, meaningful relationships that got created, but specifically with Howard and John, Howard went there and he presented an idea about how, to, how um, things are created and invented. Um, John showed off a new technology he's put together for doing VR meetings. Well, these guys ended up connecting in a strangely interesting way they hadn't before. They've known each other for six years, always talked about doing something. But by the time the trip was done, they had discovered that they felt that they had created an opportunity that would generate $100 million to $250 million in opportunity re revenue and assets under management. And interestingly, a week went by and I was talking to Howard and he says, well, actually it doubled now. We think it's a half a billion dollar opportunity. And I think timing and location um, are really necessary for great collaborations to occur. 
And sometimes you just got to get out of your traditional office, your traditional home, get on some different ground. Um, and yeah, it can happen virtually, but there is something magical about that. And the people, as you said, have to be in a cycle of their life where they've gotten past a certain Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They've reached that comfort point and they're looking for, here again, are the consistents. They're looking for continuity income, a way to build wealth that has huge multiples, um, taking processes that they've built and created over time and proven, and they want it to exist without them being there. And I, I don't think it's always a legacy play, but they're looking for scale and freedom on a different level that they hadn't imagined was, was possible before. Yeah, well, they, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> in about, you know, um, you know, three weeks, uh, Babs and I are going on one of uh, Peter Diamandis's, um, you know, his lo longevity, life extension, you know, age reversal trips. And uh, last year it was in your area. It was uh, the Bay Area in San Diego, where there's a lot of great right on. going on. And this time it's Boston and New York. And uh, so we're going it's five days, uh, three in Boston and two in New York. And everybody's coming to us so that we're going to have, you know, great, you know, kind of hotel facilities and then people are going to come to it. And, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, over the years, uh, you know, I mean, I believe that all the techn technological breakthroughs, scientific breakthroughs, medical breakthroughs are very crucial for achieving longer age. And uh you know, and uh, they're they're coming fast and furious right now because it's almost the one goal that almost every human being has. You know, if if you got a reason for living longer, you want to live longer. You know, and it's going to take some help. But I've often thought that actually, what predisposes you to be even interested in the medicine and the technology is actually that. Um, <clears throat> um, you either have or you're not suffering. You either have an abundance of something or you're not suffering from a scarcity. And I'll, I'll approach it from the scarcity stand, standpoint. Uh, uh, all their friends have died. All the meaningful relationships right, right. Yes. Are, are dying and you don't have any close relationships. And uh, you don't have any shared memories with people that you're meeting. The other thing is that uh, you're running out of money, you know, that uh, you. You know, you had money for to get independently to a certain age, and now you're running out of it. Okay. Number three is you don't have a purpose. I mean, that, uh, you know, um, 70 years, you know, 70 or 75 years was enough time for you to achieve all your purposes, and there just isn't any other purpose on it. But there was a couple more that I, um, um, <clears throat> I thought uh, I thought about, and one of them relates directly to why I think John and Howard uh, were so excited about what uh, uh, what they were what what they were able to put together as a result of the environment you created, and it's it's novelty, it's novelty, and my my feeling is that um, one of the things that keeps us most alive is that there's going to be new exciting things that are superior to anything you've already achieved in your life you you know you've seen amazing breakthroughs and discoveries but you have this feeling that what lies ahead is even and i think that that is huge for predisposing someone to want 10 more years 20 more years you know 
And uh, and the other thing, uh, uh, and this is an odd one, but uh, you, you've run out of things to be courageous about. Wow. In other words, wow. there is there isn't anything risky anymore. I mean, dying is you know. I mean, but that's 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 uh, you know you've <clears throat> you've programmed that in for a long time. But my sense is, you know, think if you have abundance of friends, abundance of money, abundance of purpose, and you have a, uh, even a greater abundance of novelty, and and uh, it's going to require courage. Wow. Um, no, I was looking, that, I was looking at yeah. you know, really wealthy people who are billionaires, and uh, and I, you know, I just observe them from a distance. I don't actually, I've met one of them in my life, but I don't, you know, it's not really part of billionaires. Really, isn't part of my company. And I said, you know, the biggest problem with you is uh, you can't fail at anything because uh, you can write any size check to correct what happened. Yes. Wow. And, and I, I will add, so I want to just reflect on what you said because it was very profound, Dan. And then I'm going to add one billionaire comment to this uh, because, uh, well, first of all, novelty, what I've sold this experience, for example, on in the past is on transformations and experiences. Yeah. And over and over again, people say, I'll pay for an experience. I won't pay, for, you know, they'll talk about all the things they won't pay for, which I have high value to someone who hasn't achieved a certain level of success, but the, the notion of novelty and inside of that feeling as though they can be a multiplier, it's, it's looking forward to something unique, which is where, where you just talked about nothing risky anymore. And um, I won't say who invited me because I don't have permission for this, but I just came back from a big economic summit out West with someone, you know, and they were all very affluent, many, many billionaires in the room, about 150 people. And I don't know how many were billionaires, but a lot of them. I remember sitting next to an 86-year-old, and one of the key topics was um, longevity. And there was someone there who has some breakthrough technology that the, the military is using right now that is uh, multiplying um, our mitochondria dramatically. Um, and so it's this oral thing that causes some stuff to happen. It's in trials right now. It'll be released very shortly. And there were a couple elderly gentlemen there, one of which had been, you know, he had stage four um, melanoma, which is very, very deadly. And he's been alive because of it. But um, he was in his 90s. And then this 86 year old, he was like, this is the, this is what's most important to me. And, yeah. and the combination of no novelty multipliers and all what they all had in common, the theme of the older billionaires were, I want more. And um, very much, you know, I want to be able to do more stuff, things that I hadn't thought about. And they're very excited about the future. So how that gets packaged moving forward. Um, yeah. Well, I think is, you know, uh, we've really uh, laid the groundwork for looking at, you know, for some examples here. But, uh, you know, I'm noticing and, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> the uh, one of the, you know, lawn standing and the uh, uh, considered the most significant thinking tools that we have in strategic coach is the lifetime extender. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, where you 
uh, you recognize that probably the number that you've had floating around your head forever when you thought you were going to die was just something you picked up from other people or family history or, you know, uh, you know, actuarial tables or whatever it is. But the question is, if you could have the number that you really want for the length of your lifetime, what would it be? And, um, you know, and uh, and it's amazing because a lot of people realize, well, first of all, can you do that? I mean, can you just give yourself a different number? And I said, well, look at it the other way. If it's not intentional on your part, do you think it will happen? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, I mean, people, I mean, mine is quite, you know, it's quite striking because I just doubled the normal lifetime. I went from 78 to 156, you know, and it elicits all sorts of responses. You know, it's, it's actually very disturbing to some people, um, you know, that you want to do that for whatever reasons, whatever reasons they have for that. But people say, you know, well, you, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. And I said, well, if you think that through a little bit more deeply, probably not, you know, like uh, maybe other people are disappointed, but you're gone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, yeah. first of all, you won't know the difference. But the second yeah. thing is I think the two crazy Dan numbers, it's the $15 trillion ecosystem or economy that uh, is outside of a country that is a brain shocking compartment that most people have never never done on them plus the 156 year uh, yeah. lifespan yeah. um what it does i you know uh, knowing you as long as i have go it ahead does. it's not that i'm preoccupied with that but it makes you ask the question if you were even to begin on the trip uh, you know, towards 156 and actually put yourself in a condition where it might be possible. Um, what habits would you have to change today? And that that's the real impact of the long goal is what do you change right now? You know, and, uh, you know, and I'm incredibly, incredibly better physical shelf, uh, shape and energy. And I, I set this goal 34 years ago. And by any indicator, and I've got, you know, tests that go back there. I'm in better shape today. I'm stronger, um, you know, and I, I have fewer things that are, um, you know, possibly dangerous inside me right now than I did that. And I think the reason is because um, whatever I want to be 100 years, or, you know, 50 years from now or 60 years, you got to be that way today. You know, you got to actually, uh, you know, and there are, you know, and so my my sense is that I want to come back to and you know pull this together. That what I think you're a master of, my Mike, is actually taking people who have a lot of capabilities, who have a lot of resources, that don't have any purpose, and they can't tell their story because uh, your story is. I mean, the, your your ability to get people to tell stories is actually getting them to explain their new purpose in the future. Wow. And this is a uh, this is a chosen purpose. This isn't a, you know, a rebellious purpose or a getaway purpose. You know, it's not an escape purpose. It's actually a, a creativity purpose. It's a, now that I've done all these other things and, you know, I've handled this and everything, now I get to create what I really want. And I think you're, you've got a, you know, you, you have developed 
a whole process for people to do this in a way that they can't possibly do themselves. Well, it looks like I've got to rewrite all my marketing material after today. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I think basically, you just have to take what you already developed as a service, and you just have to take that and put it in uh, put it in the framework of two people with great stories telling a new story. You know that combines in the future. So I think you've done eighty percent of the work. You just have to add the where. Okay, there's a story here, but there's a purpose, and there's two purposes, and they want to create something in the future that neither of them can do on their own. John John yes. Bowen John Bowen's got a story, and you know John John was you know when he joined the 10x program, you know uh, he was getting close to packing it in. Right. I've known Howard for, you know, 23 years, and he was obsessive about, you know, his his uh, artificial intelligence hedge fund. Well, he's got he's got the hedge fund, you know, and it's working and it's doing what he wanted and everything like that. But it's not really it's not really Howard's purpose. That's just a capability he developed for himself so he can achieve larger purposes. And John, you know, John's got the greatest coaching company in the world for uh, advisors who are affluent, who are advisors to affluent people. Okay. But, you know, um, he could, he could grow it a lot bigger, but it wouldn't be too, too much of a, there wouldn't be more novelty to it. And what you've just introduced to both of them is the possible to do something really novel. Yeah, no. And, um, I think it'll be fun and eff relatively effortless for John. I know for him, he's got an enormous amount of um, outside. His paint, his wife is very clear. I don't want you taking on more things that create a whole bunch more work. I yeah. want you now. Right. And, uh, and he's you still young able, enough to be able to do it in the building next to the pool. Yeah. Right. Right. Which he's doing the best he can at managing that. But yeah, world, I mean, the, world, that's world headquarters next to his yes. pool. Right on, right on. Yeah. Well, so, what do you think about that? I mean, just wrapping up the ground, we've covered this. It's uh, it's pro it's very profound, Dan. Um, I took I took a lot of notes in this episode, and I was reflecting back at all the people that uh, I've been working with over the past three years, and 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 you know this about me is. I had my dark night when I decided I didn't want to do stuff. I went through my own transition and I started seeing this in so many entrepreneurs who had hit their brass ring and they're like, what else? And one of those came from, it was Charlie Epstein, you know, and we created his one man show yield the dreams, which now has a documentary. That's very good. He's rolling this thing out. And I told him, you know, you are a rich board financial advisor who deep inside you're a frustrated comedian actor entertainer and that's what you should be doing all the time and you know i gave him an offer which was let's put together a writing team and create this show and he's like i'm in um which was about uh, the strangest project i've probably done in many years um and then i thought how the hell am i ever going to find more charlie's I mean, that's about as weird as it gets um but a lot of these they, they don't have to be crazy creative 
but they are unique extensions of what I always say. If you got to spend 99% of your time in your superpower, your unique ability, what would it be? And figuring out a way to do that in a way that that makes some money, even though it's not about the money, but they can't uh, for sit, you know, you can't cut off your nose to spite your face. You still got a business to run. You got employees who are dependent on you. And a lot of folks are just terrified of what would happen if, and, and that is a, that is a courage multiplier yeah. and finding that right thing. So the bottom line is I have a lot of thinking to do, but this was a profoundly effective conversation that I did not expect today, Dan. So thanks. I, I, it, you gave like, just from our first session, I got up at five in the morning today to, to do free zone. And um, I mean, there's more gold came out of today than I've had in months. Guy from Mumbai, India, could be in it, you know, because yeah, Nanad was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's popping up from the crazy COVID that's taken over his country? So right on. Well, anyway, uh, we can develop this because I think that there's, uh, you know, there's. uh, I've, you know, I've been, you know, really developing this idea in uh, as a main focus, and it'll be my only focus within about a year and a half. Uh, and that is, you know, what's the actual structure? I mean, regardless of what you're putting together, what's the actual structure of this? And I've actually, um, uh, I don't know what the first steps are, but I know what the last two steps are. So I, I'm kind of doing it backwards. And uh, right. And so we can talk about that uh, when we start our next episode. Yeah, let's do it. I can't wait. So, well, let's wrap this up. As usual, what we, Dan and I would love you to do is um, rate, review, share this with someone you might know. And the, oh, by the way, if you'd like a transcript of this and the other episodes, you can pull out your mobile phone and text CA to 858-434-5316 or just visit capabilityamplifier.com. And let us know what you think about this episode. And if you're motivated to um, uh, figure out some of these methods, as I had mentioned in the beginning, I'm going to build a survey that revolves around identifying where you've got assets that aren't monetized, but more importantly, um, new ways to express yourself. Because we really are onto something here, Dan. It's uh, uh, creating... Um, Uh, you know, not just creating money that doesn't exist, but our next episode we're going to do is all about creating purpose for other people and giving great who's great purposes, which I'm really looking forward to. Great. Anything else? Let's let him go. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go. (laughs) I like being inspired with you, Dan. So another great episode. Thank you for everyone for watching and listening.